Come on, clap for Jesus. You're not clapping for me. Hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're with us today. And uh, those joining us online for the first time, welcome. A special hello to our family at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. Show them some love. Clap for them. Grateful for you. Are you doing okay today? This is all you always figure out who the extroverts are when you ask questions like that. Um, well, listen, if you if if you're not doing okay, that's all right too. Um, we're just glad that you're here today with us. And uh, how many are always excited to dig into God's word? Because you just know, even if you don't want to hear it, even if you don't feel like being here, um, the Holy Spirit still um, can move and change and work in your heart. I mean, that's. It's ultimately why we always gather is sometimes if you allow your desires to lead you, I always say emotions are good things. They're wonderful servants. They're horrible masters. And, um, and so you need to just learn the benefit of being in the presence of God's word and in the presence of worship. God can do something in your heart. Amen. And uh, so today I want to pick up where Dr. Uh, John Mannion left off. How many appreciate Dr. Mannion and, and his teaching and we are so blessed to have him here. We are spoiled to have him here and just such wisdom. And um, did you know that he was, were you shocked to hear that he was in a, a comedy uh, tour? It's pretty hilarious, isn't it? And uh, uh, I love that man. So grateful for him. So listen, we're going to continue in this conversation today, um, really with the goal of this series being the attempting to really help answer questions around the idea of the topic of salvation. Many of us, if you are frequent in church, you hear us at the end of every time we gather, we give people an opportunity to connect with Jesus, to surrender their lives to Jesus. And um, you may be here today and you say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus years ago. I think one of the biggest challenges we face as believers today in our culture is you're never, you're never stationary. I want you to understand that. You're never not moving. You always are moving. The question is rather to ask, in what direction are you moving? And some of you think, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not moving away from God. I, I choose to, I, I would love to tell you I agree with you, but the truth is I don't. I, I, and I say that because in my own life, if I'm not actively pursuing the things of God, I, I'm in a fallen world. I'm naturally just being sucked into the things of the world and I'm, 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 I'm being pulled away. Not as if I'm losing my salvation. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but but you'll, you'll start to think differently. You'll start to talk differently. You'll start to act differently. And so I really believe if you're a follower of Christ, that one of, the, one of the most important things for us to do is not only be in the word of God and be in prayer, but to actively pursue the things of God. Some, sometimes in, in my journey, I start to, to ask myself simple questions. Where was I last year in my faith? What does my prayer life look like this year as, as compared to what it did last year? And my heart is always to just be actively pursuing the things of God because I realize that when I do that and I'm filled with the word of God, what I'm filled with, I'm pleased what comes out with what comes out of my mouth. Can you say amen? Sometimes we, we don't recognize what we're filled with until we start speaking. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then we're like, no, I don't like that. And, and we realize that we're being filled with things of the world and not that of the, of the word. As I was preparing this week, um, I realized as I, I, I don't watch uh, the news, I, I typically read the news and I, I go to like two different sources and um, I just try to stay up to date with what's going on. I don't want to have my head in the sand, but I don't get consumed by it. I don't get overwhelmed by it. 
but it has become so evident, and you know this being in our, in our church, we tend not to shy away from any topic, um, not because we attempt to be um, combative in topics, but because I believe that it's our duty as leaders to equip the saints for the works of ministry, and we need to equip you for what's going on in our world today. But I never thought that I would live in such a deceptive time. Um, I knew deception is always prevalent, and the reason I say that is because our adversary, the, the devil, the Bible says he is the father of lies, the great deceiver. And so he attempts to deceive us. And if you don't believe that, that's fine, but you're losing the battle if you don't acknowledge an adversary that you have. And, and we have an adversary, but we don't need to fear him. How many know we have victor, victory over our enemy because of the finished work of Jesus Christ? We have victory over him, um, which means we should live in such a way that we have victory over our enemy. But the, the New Testament writers would often write to the church and they would advise the church, hey, please don't be deceived. You're being deceived. And, and it was often around ideologies of, or, or teachings, rather, in that culture, in that context, that sounds, it sounds good on the surface, but you really have to look at the intent of what they're trying to lead people towards. And I, I, I've literally heard politicians over the last several months calling the things of God sinful and the things of an enemy they celebrate. Or the things that are contrary to the word of God, they celebrate. And if you're not careful, you'll end up clapping for the very things that God calls us away from. Because it seems good on the surface and you're like, oh, yes, that's wonderful. But it's in opposition to the things of God. And you might be asking, well, what am I referring to? There have been so many things in our culture over the last five years. The pendulum has, has gone so far to one side that I, I don't even know if we could properly even define what a nuclear family looks like. Not according to our standards, but according to the word of God. Fatherhood, motherhood, these words are even kind of under attack in our culture. And if you don't think they actually are affecting people, then you're not really having conversations with people. And one of the things that I'm so blessed by is to see the, the, the number of young people here on a Wednesday night at youth and the number of young kids being raised in the ways of the Lord encompass kids because that's the generation that will ultimately be affected if you and I don't stand up and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to them and raise them in the ways of the Lord. <laughs> Marriage has clear boundaries according to God's word. Gender has clear boundaries according to God's word. Sexuality has clear boundaries according to God's word. Abortion, the word of God speaks clearly on that, that he values life so significantly and you might be like, well, Pastor, why are you talking about that? Because it's an idea of deception that many people who are believers in Christ can be deceived or misled into believing things that are contrary to God's word. Sounds good on the surface. And you might be like, well, well, well what's, what's the point? The point is to lead you in a way of life, to lead you into the truth. And the Bible speaks, and this is, this is what I realized, that some of us, we walk in, in a way, and it's because no one has ever taught us, or we've never read in the Word of God what it says about these topics, whether it pertains to marriage, gender, sexuality, abortion, even in the simple, even in the simple context of honoring your parents. We're living in a culture today that, and even in a political realm, that seems to subvert children to honor their parents. Don't worry about it. Do whatever you want. It's okay. And in that, 
It's almost as if I've always recognized in our culture that we've, there is a portion of God, godlessness in, in an aspect of our society, but now it's moved from just kind of this peripheral godlessness to this outright hatred towards the things of God. Have you noticed that? And then this is the thing. Does that mean that we should be overwhelmed? We should be fearful? We should, we should start saying, I told you so. And we should, no, no, that all, it almost reinforces the reason for which we were called to proclaim the goodness, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, to be carriers of the gospel of Jesus, to just say, hey, there was real, there's really no more, no more time for you to just kind of bump along the bottom and just go through the motions of being a believer. I have to tell you, the other night, it was, it was late in the evening, and my, my, my wife is, is very close to the point. We're expecting our fifth child, so pray for, for her. And no, you know what? Pray for me, too. <laughs> Lord. And, um, and, and so it, this week, we're expecting our son, and so it's an exciting time. The other night, I was preparing, getting everyone together. I decided to go um, and fill the vehicle up with gas because it was on E, and, and I stopped at the gas station, and and how many of you know, like, if you, you know the voice of the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit speaks, you, you respond, or you do your best to? A- any of you? And, and I hope all of you are lifting your hand in that. And, and, and if not, I think this is a thing of refinement in a believer. I'm a believer. Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Do you respond? No. Well, then let's start moving in alignment with saying, no, when the Holy Spirit moves, and you say, what is that? I believe this is subtle nudging inside of you that comes from this response, not to do random things, but act in such a way that would make people view you as an ambassador of Christ, someone that represents Christ here on earth. And so I, I was getting gas and it was, it was probably around eight o'clock and it's windy and it's cold. And, and um, as I was getting ready to, to leave, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, invite that man to church. And I'm like, that's all right, you know? And how many of you know it's like when it's the Holy Spirit and you know it's the Holy Spirit, like you can't just like, you can try to have your head run into a different direction, but it just won't do it. And so I'm like, ah, I just don't have a card. And so I get my wallet out after he gives me my debit card. I put it back and I'm like, I have a whole stack of cards in here, you know. <laughs> and as I'm going through them, I notice that my, my, my son had um, done graffiti on every single one of them. And he was drawing pictures and designs and I don't know what some of them were. Honestly, it looked inappropriate, but he was drawing pictures and I was like, well, I guess I just can't. So I pull it out and I leave. I don't get but 100 yards down the road and I'm like, son of a gun, put the blinker on, put it and do a K turn in the middle of the road and I drive back. And I pull up and I just say, hey, um, I need to invite you to church. I have a conversation. I share that story with you because I've just recognized in my own life, the busyness of what we live in will call us out of our primary purpose. And we're called to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, to push a pause on the speed of everything else that we're pursuing and say, no, there's no more time to kind of just do things as usual, to just go through the motions. God wants to use you. He desperately wants to use you. And as we talk about these ideas of these, these un, this understanding of salvation, I want to talk about misconceptions today with you about this idea of salvation. Misconceptions are view or opinion that are incorrect based upon your thinking or understanding. So you could have misconceptions around the idea of salvation. What is it? How do I I receive salvation? Can I lose salvation? There's so many different questions around this topic, but I, I find it important to begin by talking about this deception 
because we do have an adversary that attempts to deceive you into believing something is not true. And typically, especially in our political environment, it is in order to gain a personal advantage over another person. But when it, when it pertains to salvation, the first misconception I want to talk to you about this morning is this idea that all roads lead to heaven, that all roads lead to heaven. In our culture today, this would be a very, quote unquote, tolerant perception of, of religion and salvation to just tell someone that, hey, as long as you are sincere and honest with yourself, <laughs> that you'll, you'll end up somewhere in eternity in heaven. It's a misconception, particularly when it pertains to our theological understanding of salvation, that salvation is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Now, in our culture today, I will tell you right now, that very statement will be seen as intolerant. You will be described as a bigot. You will be described as someone who is, has, is filled with hatred because we believe that there is one way to the throne of God, and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm just letting you know, like, that's the way our culture is lending. But it is a misconception to, un to think that there are multiple ways to God. This is a universalist idea that is taught often in schools, and it encourages people just to say, well, as long as you're sincere, sincere. I heard a teaching about, about that word, about the origin of that word as it comes from two Latin derivatives, sincere, without wax. And the story goes that in the Roman times, they would use wax to ultimately deceive people in many different ways, whether they were doing a, a marble work, they would fill um, imperfections in the marble with wax or wood. And, and other times they would share the story that if you were in the market and you were getting ready to buy produce, they would take a standard weight of five pounds, but they would drill it out and they would fill the weight with wax. So what appeared to be five pounds was really only three pounds. And so then they would say, well, bring your five pounds of produce and put it on the scale. You are thinking you're getting five pounds and paying for five pounds, but you're really only getting three. So to be sincere literally means to be without wax, to be pure in its content, undefiled, unaltered. No one's messing with it. It's pure. But even in telling someone that all you need to be is sincere and you'll find salvation, the irony in it is the word comes from a place of deception to describe what it means to be without deception. And people are telling people that all you need to be is sincere. They're using the very word to deceive people. Did you track with me? Just be sincere and you'll find, you'll find your way to heaven. Like, ah, oh, there's a lot of wax in that statement. <laughs> to lead people to Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. The road that leads to destruction is wide, and many people will choose that road. Why? Because it's easy. It serves you in your flesh. 
It serves you in just the easiness of life. Oh, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like like acting like that. I don't feel like asking for forgiveness. I don't feel like changing the way that I talk. I don't feel like honoring God. I don't feel like giving or serving or sowing. I, I don't feel like doing those things. It's an easy path to walk. But I want you to recognize something. When you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've confessed that he is Lord. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that he is following your lead. It means that you are telling everyone else that you're following his lead. It means that we are followers of Jesus. You don't, you don't need to get so quiet. You can get excited about that. It's a good thing. Some are like, oh, no. <laughs> but this is the culture we live in where it's like, no, I want to I say I follow Jesus, but nothing changes in my life. You know, this is, this is the crazy thing about following Jesus. You often bemoan the change that is required of you in following Jesus, but once you start following Jesus, you celebrate the change that you bemoaned at the beginning. Oh, I can't believe I have to do this. And then the moment you start pursuing Christ, you start getting this joy and this peace and this abundance and this purpose in your life that you've been seeking and searching for in other ways, but could never find it. What does it mean to pursue God? To keep him at the center of everything. Worship simply means to Give your first and your best. Does Christ get your first and your best? John chapter 14, 6, Jesus answered. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Another misconception around the idea of salvation is that everyone needs to be perfect in order to be saved. How many are grateful to know that that's not true? (laughs) Only the people who are not perfect clap, you know. Everyone else is like, I've been saying all this time, you got to be perfect. Perfection does not save you. Before you made one movement towards God, he already paid the ultimate price for your salvation. Before you even knew that you were in need of a savior, he sent his one and only son to the cross to die for you. Romans 5, 8 is one verse that I say often in our gatherings together, but it teaches us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says this to those who are around him. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. He says, and I will give you rest. Some of you have been seeking for rest desperately in your life. You think that if you just take two weeks off of, of your job, you'll just be filled up with rest. That's not what's going to fill you. And some of you need margin in your life for sure, but that's not the rest you're seeking after. It comes from Jesus. And some of you, you come to church on a Sunday for an hour and you're like, man, I'm still not filled. That's not what it's about. It's about pursuing Jesus. Having this curious pursuit of what if I pursued him wholeheartedly? What does that mean? Just to keep him at the center of everything. When you do that, the Holy Spirit will begin to guide and direct you in the way that you act, in the way that you respond. I can tell in moments, in minutes, when I've not, when I need or I have been apart from the word of God or in prayer. And, and I don't know what it is. Maybe you're like me, but the more children I have, the more I spend time in prayer. <laughs> I need to pray, Lord, you know. But what is it? What is it? Do we need to be perfect in order to receive salvation far from it? Some of you don't realize it, but when Jesus says in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. To follow after Christ, it doesn't mean that there's this burden and there's this weight upon you, and it's so difficult. That means you're striving to be someone that Christ has not called you to be. And I think in the church world, it's like, man, if I have a problem, if I'm struggling here, if I'm struggling with that, we come into the church and no one needs to tell you or inform you that you have issues. You know you have issues. You've been trying to fix them yourself your whole life. And then you come to church and you have this thought in your mind that everyone in here is perfect but me. Ever had that thought? Maybe not you. I've had that at times growing up. I'm like, man, I guess I'm the only delinquent in the room. And then if everyone starts thinking about this, there is no real honesty or transparency in the house of God. It's everyone faking it until they make it, hoping just to hide enough of their sin from one another to create this false concept of like, oh, we're all perfect on Sunday, and then Monday begins. And then we go through our week, and then by the time Sunday comes, we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, I, maybe I can just pretend another week. It's not about pretending you're perfect. It's about acknowledging your imperfection before a perfect God and say, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm not, I know that when I said yes to you, you were going to change me, and not in the way I think, but from the inside out. God will change the desires of your heart. Just start seeking him. Start pursuing him. Start being around people that love the Lord and, and are, are passionate about following the Lord. One of the misconceptions around salvation is around this idea that if you are religious, then you are automatically saved. I know I talked to some people about the Lord, and um, when I was playing football at Rhone, I remember talking to some professors, actually, and even some of my teammates, and I remember some of them, um, when I would talk to them about the Lord, they would push back quickly and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm very religious, I'm very religious. And I almost didn't know how to respond because I didn't know what that meant, you know, at, at first. Or they would say this, now this is not, religion is not the, the popular thing. People don't say that. They say, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual person, spiritual person. And I'm like, can you, can you describe, what, what does that mean? And they say, I'm just, I'm spirit, I'm a spiritual person. I, you said that. I was just asking you, like, what does that mean? And they just say, you know, you, you don't know what the, it just means that, like, I'm in touch with, like, the energy. I'm not kidding. Have you had conversation with people like this or am I the only one? And, and you're like, oh, okay. And then they say this. Talk about deception. You just have to have faith. And you go, okay, I think we're going in the right direction. Faith. Faith in what? Whatever. And then you're like, okay, no, we're not. We're not going in the same direction. It's, it's not faith just for, for faith. Some people just say you can have faith in faith, and, then, and then, you're, then you're saved. No, that's not it. And in the same idea, in the same pattern of thinking, some people think that, oh, I'm just, I'm, I, I just, I tried church, and it just wasn't good. You know what they said? I tried showing up on a Sunday, pretending I'm perfect, trying to fix myself, and it didn't work. So I'm just done. And I'm like, hey, if I tried that, I would be right where you are too. Because that's not what Christ comes to bring. He doesn't come to bring religion and tradition and habits and rituals and all of these things that distract you from being in a personal relationship with the Lord. Everything that comes from Christ and his teaching, whether it's baptism, whether it's receiving communion, all of that points to Christ. All of it points to Christ as a, intimate relationship with your Savior. 
And I know that in the culture we live today, some people feel better about themselves going through religion or religious activities. But the scriptures don't say religious activities save you. A matter of fact, if you would read the scriptures, it would teach that the people that Christ rebuked the most were the ones who were going through religious activities. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I remember hearing that for the first time thinking, oh, no, I'm not saved. (laughs) Anyone else? You're like, oh, no. (laughs) This is Christ is, is trying to teach those around him that even if you do things in in the in God's name. It does not mean that you walk with Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me. You obey my commands. And some of us, we've made this way more complicated than it needs to be. Jesus says, I'm going here. Do you want to follow? Yes. Okay, I'm following Jesus. And what, some of us think, I follow Jesus. No. And you, in, in your mind, you show up to church on Sunday. That's great. But we show up to church on Sunday, not because we're bored on Sunday morning. We have nothing else to do or we're just desperate for friends. We show up to church on Sunday because Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And he calls us together as sons and daughters of his to worship him through through song and praises and to gather in refinement through the teaching of God's word. And as we pursue him. We find purpose and wholeness and healing. In his name, there's something powerful when when you understand this and you see it happening before you. Um, Listen, this may not preach and it might not settle well with some of you, but this is my heart. I don't want some of you to get caught in this rut of thinking all I need to do is show up on Sunday. No, it's really when you show up on Sunday and this is the powerful when you get this revelation, your idea of Sunday will completely change. When we gather, it's all about him. It's all about him. And if we are representatives of Christ, it's almost like, well, what would Christ do if he was in this service today? Well, he'd probably encourage people. He'd probably lay his his hands on the sick and ask and believe for them to be healed in the name of Jesus. He he would heal people. He'd set people free. And do you realize he expects you to operate as if he was here, as him? And so sometimes when we gather, it's all about what what are you going to do for me, God? And I believe that the Lord always desires to pour into people when they gather on Sunday through his word and through the worship. But when you can have the eyes, may God want to use me to see people in church on Sunday that I can bless, that I can encourage, that I can come alongside of and actually be Jesus in church on Sunday. That would be a radical idea, wouldn't it? Something like that's going to require something. (laughs) It's the whole point. It's the whole point. The thing I love about God is he's always patient with us. So like, even if we don't get it, he doesn't be like, you know what? I've tried for like a month. You're done. You know, Um, he's faithful to pursue us. He's patient towards us. Scripture teaches that his patience, his kindness is in place to lead us to repentance. Repentance is really this posture of saying, 
I've gone my life saying I don't need you, but now I recognize I'm in desperate need of you. That's what it means. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is for grace, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Two more misconceptions quickly before we go. The fourth one is this. Many have this idea, this misconception that once you accept Jesus, you can do whatever you want because you're heaven bound. I thought this way for a few weeks, mainly because I was avoiding my parents to actually tell me what the truth was. And, but Paul writes in Romans 6, 14 and 15, he says, for, for, for sin shall no longer be your master. It's no longer in control of you. Some of you feel bound by it. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're not a slave to it anymore. Ever hear the analogy of how they get elephants, those elephants in the circus at times when they would train them when they were young, they'd tie them to a little stake with a chain. The chain at that time was strong enough to hold them when they were infants. Ever hear that story? But as they grow, the, 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 the teaching goes that it has no power over, over them. They were just bound by it for so long that they think there's no way to get free from it. So even when they're old enough to walk away from it and act as if it's not even there, they don't do it because in their minds, they think that they're permanently bound. Do you know what God needs to do in many of you? He needs, you, need, you need to mature your thinking in your mind. You're not a slave to sin anymore. It's not who you are in Christ Jesus. When he says that, it says in verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And Paul writes, by no means. He continues to talk about this in Galatians and listen to what he says, because we're talking about being deceived. He says, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh, they will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. I always thought when I first heard grace, the message of grace, I said, this is awesome. I was like, you know, I could screw up. And even, have you ever done this? You don't have to tell anyone. It's probably embarrassing. I'll just say I've done it, okay? It's like you're thinking about doing something stupid. And you're like, man, that would disappoint God. Yeah, but it's grace. <laughs> and then you read verses like this, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Grace offers salvation to every single one of us. But do you know that it teaches us something? If you understand grace, it means that you fully understand the ramifications of sin. You'll never celebrate a gift if you don't understand what will happen if you don't receive it. Sin destroys everything good, but when grace comes in, it changes everything. In verse 12, it says, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. There's that word. How many of you, that's your favorite word, self-controlled? Come on, we're from New Jersey. That's, that's the word we pray over our house. To live self-controlled, upright, godly lies in this present age. And while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace produces something in us. It teaches us. What does grace teach you? It teaches you to say no to sin. 
no to it. So if someone says, I fully understand what grace is, then they're telling you that I fully understand that that grace, that spirit of God that's in me, it teaches me, enables me, empowers me to say no to sin in my life any longer, to the worldly passions that I have in my flesh. Maybe the last and maybe the most frequent misconception about salvation is that once I'm saved, sin and problems will disappear from my life. Did you ever think that when you first said yes to Jesus? I had a conversation with someone years ago and um, they received Jesus. They were so excited and they left. I think it was at a night service and they left and they came back the next week and they said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And they looked pretty discouraged and I said, hey, what's up? They were like, I gave my life to Jesus. You know, and you told me that like, Everything would change. And I went home and my wife was still nasty, you know. I said, well, okay, okay, you know. I went to work. My boss was still a jerk, you know. My kids, my kids didn't change, you know. And I'm sitting there and listening. I'm trying not to, I'm just keeping straight face. Like, yeah, you know. And what changes everything in his, in his spirit You may expect everything on the outside to change and everything to be perfect, but Christ even tells those who are following after him, in this life you will have trials and tribulations, but take heart. We take heart and we take courage, not because we're going to fix everything around us in every circumstance, but we're going to take courage and take heart because Christ has won a fight that we could never win without him, that he has got a victory. And that victory that he won is now our victory. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Ephesians 4, teaches us you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You see it again, that word? deceitful desires. I'll tell you why it's written that way is because the desires of your flesh promise you fulfillment, promise you pleasure, promise you joy, and promise that it will, it'll fix all your problems. And then once you pursue it and you, it gratifies the desire of your flesh in that moment, it leaves, it's gone, it's fleeting. And that's why in the, in the word, it says that it is a deceitful desire because it promises one thing and it never delivers upon it. which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put off the and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'll leave you with this final verse, Matthew 16:33. Jesus says, "I've told you these things." This is right after he's telling those closest to him that he needed to go to the cross. He says, I'm telling you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes and we pray for you today. Lord, I thank you that every time we gather, Holy Spirit, you show up. Lord, we ask this week that you would go before us in our families, in our marriage, in our jobs, in conversation, Lord. Holy Spirit, prompt us. Prompt us in what may seem to be a spontaneous interaction or conversation. Prompt us and 
Help us recognize that you desire to use us to bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst at this house. Father, we ask that you would lead us and guide us and help us in the individual battles that we face. And you may be here today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Talking about salvation as we've gone through these misconceptions. Maybe you find yourself believing one of those lies. That you need to be perfect before you say yes to Jesus. Or you need to perform religious duties in order for him to welcome you or to receive you. But the Bible teaches in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Maybe you're here and you've never received Jesus. You don't understand what it means. You might ask, well, what do I need to be saved from? The Bible teaches that sin separates you from God. That sin in your life causes a separation. And there's no way that you can fix it on your own. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It means that there's nothing that can be done because of your sin. The only way you could deal with the sin in your life is through the shedding of blood. The Bible says that you must give of your life if you want to pay for the sin in your life. That's why when we celebrate the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ is because we recognize that he took our place on the cross, that he purchased our salvation by giving of himself. And so if you're here today, and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to understand that you have a wage on your head. You have a debt. And there's no way that you could pay for that debt. But there is one who came from heaven to earth, who went to the cross, who lived a perfect life, and gave up his, his life for you. The Bible teaches in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so right now in this moment, I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you're joining us online and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. We're going to say a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's not in the exact order that makes a change. It's in the, it's in the honesty of your heart, in the belief of your heart. And so as I say this prayer, church family, will you help lead those who are saying this prayer for the first time? Repeat this after me. Say, dear heavenly father, I receive your son, Jesus, as my personal Lord and savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin in the grave. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, family. Clap for everybody that said that. Come on, really clap for them. Let them know you love them. You're grateful for them. Come on, will you stand to your feet with me? I want to pray for you before we go today. If you said yes to Jesus, as you leave, you're going to see in the lobby some people waving this New Testament Bible in the air. It's a gift from our family to you. We want to help you in your journey with Jesus. And for everyone else, listen to me, stare me down for just a moment. If you've been going through something this week, maybe it's been the last two weeks or the month, or maybe you've been going something, oh, oh, oh I don't know, since the beginning of, the new, of this year, I want to let you know that every single Sunday, we have an amazing group of people, leaders, pastors that are in the next steps there, and they would love to come alongside you. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage or in your finances, or maybe you had a bad doctor's report, or maybe you're anxious or filled with fear and worry and doubt. I don't know, but whatever your situation, it's all right. 
We're here to pray with you and encourage you. So please stop at the next steps as you leave. We'd love to come alongside you. And lastly, uh, next Sunday, we have baptisms. And so if that is your next step to make that public declaration um, that Jesus Christ is your Lord, will you sign up, take that next step? You can do that on the app. You can do that um, at Next Steps. Talk to one of the team members and we'll get you signed up for next week. If you've never been to a baptism, I wanna encourage you um, to join us and to encourage others as they take their next step in their faith journey with Jesus. And last, um, maybe you invited someone to nine o'clock this morning and they just flat out stood you up. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't come to church. Um, we have a six o'clock tonight. And so you might have to... Drag, tell them you're taking them to dinner and then just show up to church. It's like, I, I, I can't control my car, you know, whatever. <laughs> Stretch your hands to heaven. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you're before us. I thank you that you're patient with us, that, you're, that, that even though we stumble and we fall time and time again, that your grace and your mercies are new each and every day. And Lord, we are so grateful for it. Father, help us to be a grateful people. Help us to be a thankful people. May our prayer time with you be filled with gratitude and thankfulness. May we not have enough time to complain in our prayers. May we thank you for all the good things you've done, all the, the blessings and all the positive things that you've brought us, that, thanking you for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the salvation and the peace and the fulfillment. And Father, our prayer today is that we would be released with the authority and the power that comes through Christ and the, and the Holy Spirit this week. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We pray over every marriage in this, in this room and in this house, God, that you would guard it, that you would protect it. May humility be evident in our marriages. May honor be evident in our marriages. Father, pre protect every child in this house, God. We rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus from having any children under this house, God. And we thank you for the, for the gifts of heaven that you've blessed us with, God. Give us the patience required to lead them well in the ways of the Lord. Father, go with us as we go this week. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And a faith-filled church said, amen. God bless, family.